testimony. Hey guys, welcome back to the WBF podcast. I'm here with Krista Sildat. Krista, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. So I've been serving with the youth for a little bit, and uh, I know you and Sean have been a part of the youth for a while and stuff, and something that was on my mind was like, what's it like having a teenager and serving with the teenagers? What's that like? Um, It's interesting. (laughs) Um, I'd initially asked Bella, you know, what do you think about me being part of the lot or part of the youth group since you're in there? And she was like, do it. It's Mm -hmm. fine. You know? So she hasn't had any, she knows that there's other youth leaders, you know, that she Mm -hmm. can go and talk to. It doesn't always have to be me. So how long have you been back there now? Mm, Maybe six months. Okay. I could be off on that a little bit. Yeah, and Sean's been back there for a couple, of couple years. Of years. Yeah. Him and Zach really were running the running the whole show for a while, weren't they? Yes, him and Caitlin. Yes, and, and Zach. Caitlin. Yep. Yeah. So, did you notice like any difference from uh, her getting back from the ramp or anything like that? You know, oh, absolutely. Yeah. What What kind of uh, differences did you see in her? Um, well, our attitude really changed a lot, and mm-hmm. she started spending more time in the Word. Um, and I noticed like more taking notes and uh, asking questions, things like that. Like um, she just, I feel like there was a fire started at ramp mm. for her. I just find it so curious because you guys and then Trey and Lindy are really the only adults back there who have like teenagers. So yeah. for you guys, it's like you have a little bit more invested like kids back there yeah and yeah. I could see there being like a tightrope with like not being like right in their face but still like wanting to serve the rest of the youth you know because you want them to have their space and form their relationships right and everything and I just know that the ramp was I mean it was big for me and yeah. so I could just imagine like the conversations changing like the her attitude and like you were just talking about slowly changing and everything and I think like on top of the ramp the teaching that's been coming for the youth mm-hmm. has just been really, really, really good stuff. Yeah, for sure. So let's dive into your testimony a little bit. And what was uh, church life like for you compared to what you see your daughters growing into? Oh, me. Um, you have the two daughters? I have two. Okay. Yeah. Um, so church life for me growing up, um, I went to church with my grandmother a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't like a youth or anything like that it was um older church mostly and you know you just sit there and be be (laughs) quiet don't talk Mm -hmm. um (laughs) listen Mm -hmm. um color my coloring books or whatever um and then I guess about fifth or sixth grade um my parents started going to Heartland and um so I was involved with the youth there. I met a lot of really great friends and had a lot of great youth leaders there and stuff. And um, then when we left Heartland, um, we were going to another church. I was a little bit older then, um, so I didn't really go a lot. You know, it wasn't youth, so to speak, it was just Sunday morning thing. Mm-hmm. And um, 
I was there because I had to be most of the time, really, at that point. Um, but, yeah. What was the uh, um, relationship with the Lord like? You said you didn't really want to be there. Were you saved, or when did you get saved? Yeah, so um, I was saved uh, at Heartland um, on a retreat. Uh, I honestly don't know what grade I was in, maybe seventh grade. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's just what it was. Like, I knew that I was saved, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I understood, like, there's heaven and there's hell, and I believed in God and mm-hmm. the Son of God and that He died for me and was rose again. And um, But beyond that, I didn't really dig in. You know, I wasn't mm-hmm. reading the Word and... Uh, things like that, but um, I knew how I felt in that moment. Right. Yeah. And you said your mom and your dad, or was it your stepdad at the time? Mm-hmm. Yeah, my stepdad. You, you, uh, they weren't really going to church until you were a little bit older. Right. Right. And so, predominantly Baptist upbringing. Mm-hmm. And then, um, as you got older, did you see yourself kind of straying away from? you know, believing or just like walking your own walk kind of thing? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, um, I don't think I've ever not believed in God. I've mm-hmm. always believed in him. I've not always had a relationship with him. And there's mm-hmm. such a big difference, which is something I didn't realize until I was older, you know. But, um, no, um, I definitely was living the way I wanted to live and not um, concerned with, you know, my relationship with the Lord for a very long time. Yeah, that's uh, definitely like a revelation, right? When you realize like there's a relationship there. Right. Oh, yeah. You know, when, when did you uh, realize that? Um, oh, my, probably, I'd say 2020. Really? Yeah. Right around the time of COVID, oh, were y'all, yeah. had y'all been coming here no. to Faith Center? We we didn't go to church for years. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sean and I, um, we did our own thing for a really long time. Um, we can maybe get into a little bit of that tonight if you want to. But uh, yeah. yeah, so in 2020 is when I finally was like, I know I can't do this mm-hmm. on my own and uh, rededicated my life to the Lord. And yeah, a lot of things happened then. And since then it's been good. Yeah. I've heard Sean say before of his family, like he can't witness, he feels like he can't witness to his family because they know his past. Right. And I'm definitely going to have to have him on here to tell me a little bit about that. So yeah. like, what was the situation like with you guys? Um, in 2020 or just, just like, uh, how'd you guys meet? Let's go back and dive into like the whole story real Youth. quick. Really? <laughs> well, yeah. We okay. met, uh, for the first time at the riverfront. Okay. Uh, there was a concert down there with a bunch of different youth groups and, um, that's the first time I ever saw him. Mm-hmm. He ever saw me. Um, actually at the, we met through a mutual friend mm-hmm. really is what it boils down to, uh, there on the riverfront steps and. Um, about a year later started dating 
dated for a while. We were 14 years old. Oh, my gosh. Middle school? That was school. a really long time ago. <laughs> were you guys going to the same school? Or? No, no. No? Okay. Um, he went to Lone Oak at the time, and I went to Heath. Okay. Um, and then we broke up, and um, there were several years in between then and when we um, made contact again. But I'll never forget that either. It was funny. But... Um, yeah, again in 2007, I guess we made contact again and it's been in each other's lives ever since, mm. good Just or bad. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know y'all had uh, that long of a history. That's really neat. Yeah. It's neat to think back to those times when you were young Yeah. and you're like, wow, we thought we were in love. Right. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, God brought you guys back together. You said you couldn't forget it. So let me hear yeah. it. What was it like? What was when like, you guys met again? Oh my gosh! So, um, I was a cashier at Super Value at the time in Lone Oak, mm-hmm. and um, I hadn't seen his family in forever. But um, his mom went through my through my line at Super Value, and I was checking her out. And it wasn't five minutes later from the time this woman left his mom. I mean, <laughs> until he was standing in my line, and I was like, "Well, hi," <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, and just that same. I don't know. He's just, he's just him. And the <laughs> yeah. same feeling I had when I saw him at the riverfront was the same feeling I had when he was staying in Milan at Super Value. I mm. just. He's a pretty yeah. confident guy, right? Yeah. <laughs> 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 he, he, he's a little more humble now than he was back <laughs> then, for sure, though. Mm, mm, yeah. Mm, mm. And so then you guys get back together, and that was the rest is history? Well. Yes and no. I mean, we did. Um, neither of us were walking with the Lord at the time and mm-hmm. just kind of doing whatever we wanted to. Um, in January of 2008, I had a surgery. Mm-hmm. And um, like I said, we were friends. We were talking. Um, but in January, I had that surgery. And um, he had come to the hospital to see me. And, um, at the time had another girlfriend. So I was like, I'm not going to date him or whatever, but we were good friends. And, um, when I left the hospital from that surgery, it was back when like you had to put minutes on your phone or whatnot. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I was going in Walmart and his mom was coming out of Walmart as I'm going in. And she (laughs) was like, guess what? Sean and -and so-and-so broke up. And I could not get those minutes on my phone fast enough. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Um, So then we just started texting and talking, and it kind of just, you know. How old were you at that point? How old were we? Mm -hmm. Um, 20. 20, I think. That's a good, that's about when me and Jody met. Me and Jody met when we were 19 or so. And those first couple years for us, like you were saying, like, for her, I think she always, like, knew God, and, like, I think she had, like, a different kind of relationship with God, mm-hmm. but, like, we definitely were just kind of, like, doing whatever we wanted to do. It really took us having, like, Caleb before we really, like, saw ourselves, like, hey, we got to get back in church, you know? Yeah. For me, I was, like, a little bit more raised in a more of a structure, you know? Her parents are divorced. My parents aren't, so I had that, like, constant upbringing, yeah. and for her, there was, like, ins and outs, you know? And so I think for us, we were both just kind of like doing whatever, 
Yeah. You know, and just like taking that path into whatever. And it was shortly after we got together is whenever I got in trouble. And then that's whenever the drinking started shortly after that. And so then that's the whole escapade of my life and drinking and stuff. So what was the, uh, what was the things for you guys that you guys battled with? Oh, definitely. Like the drinking. Mm. That was, that was a big thing. Like up until 2020 when we both rededicated our lives to the Lord, like we were drinking all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, smoking cigarettes uh and just i don't know like lust and Mm. you know um we whatever we wanted to do at at the time you know just uh partying and not living for the lord by any Mm. means yeah what's it like whenever because for me it was it was like I saw my kids and I knew I was like, what I was doing was like not going to be good. And mm-hmm. I was like still doing it. Yeah. What was it like for you in those years where you were like, I know this is wrong, but I'm still kind of going to do what I want to do. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, um, our girls were actually going to church with my mom. Mm. Um, and were they still at they, Heartland? Okay. No, um, they were attending somewhere else, but, um, our girls asked, I'm telling you, for so long, every weekend, we all come to church with us this Sunday. We mm. come to church with us this Sunday, and we would go, like, on Easter or the Christmas or Mother's Day or Father's Day or what have you. But that was that was the extent of it. You know, we mm-hmm. weren't. Um, but their, their prayers and their continual not giving up, even after being told no so many times or we'll see. Mm. is what brought us back, no doubt. Praise the Lord. No That's yeah. an awesome story right there, that yeah. their dedication and their, you know, their willingness to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really can, like, eventually, you know, sh- shine a light to where you're like, okay, let's do it. Yeah. And yeah. when you decided, like, I'm rededicating my life to Christ, was that, were you able to, like, let go of those addictions completely, or did you see, like, a transition phase? Um. So... It was about like September, I guess, of 2020 that I was just really riding this fence of um, the enemy, you know, just all in my head and telling me all of these things and like knowing that there's a God, you know what I Mm -hmm. mean? And like um, there was a period of time that I didn't want to live anymore that was just like I'm done completely. And uh, so I I know like early September I think was the last time that I drank people you know like a party type of ordeal um, and I'm confident that through September I was drinking on my own um, especially at night to like sleep and mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. but by October I stopped drinking completely mm-hmm. um, and then. In December of 2020, I quit smoking. Mm. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it wasn't like 
I don't think I had my last drink or I had my last cigarette and like everything was different, you know? Yeah. For me, it was definitely like, it took me a while to get to that point. And then whenever I was able to give up drinking, the nicotine was a little bit easier for me after I quit drinking, Mm -hmm. but they always seem to go hand in hand. Like Mm -hmm. you don't, I mean, hardly ever see anybody not doing both, you know? Yeah. And every once in a while you'll see someone doing one or the other, but they're, they're just so hand in hand. Anytime you're going out to the bar, someone's yeah. going to have a cigarette or yeah. anytime you're going out to a friend's house. So, and for me, like I went from like dip to cigarettes, to dip, to vape, to dip. And so yeah. for me, it was like really just like a thing I did to get that extra little buzz. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, um, that can be tough, you know? Well, I'd gone from like cigarettes to vaping mm-hmm. to doing both to, I always had that vape in my hand. Mm-hmm. It was such a stronghold you know at the time I didn't even really realize it but Mm -hmm. afterwards I was like when I hugged my kids or I hugged my husband or that vape was in my hand Mm -hmm. you know and I was just like wow you know and one of the things um because I'd always had it in my hand something actually Sean and I both did was um I'll probably say it wrong, but there's a type of wood, um, acacia wood or something of that similar anyway, Mm -hmm. um, that are made into crosses. I started holding that cross instead of a vape. And anytime I felt like I needed to pray instead. And, um, yeah, it was good experience. That's, that's super cool. I've heard, uh, pastors before say stuff like, you know, tell people who are struggling with cigarettes, every time you're about to light up a cigarette, say, that's not, you know, I'm not addicted to the cigarette. Or just say some kind of word of faith. Yeah. And to have that, like, literal representation of what he did on the cross yes. to hold on to and, you know, pray instead of vape. And the thing with the vape is, like, it's so much more addicting because, yeah. like, you can control the nicotine input. You mm. can really, like, spend a lot of money and, oh, yeah. you know, the bigger the cloud, the more the buzz. I mean, not, nothing would give you a buzz like that. Right. You know what I mean? And for me, like, I love Garrett's analogy of, like, seeing a person hitting it and then, like, their color changing. Like, he's a very, like, uh, yes visionary person. He's got this little uh, story tells of how he would, like, see a theater. And every time he'd hit it, it was like the little figure, figure in his brain would, like, turn orange or something. Yeah. And for me, like, I remember when I was vaping, like, heavily, because I vaped for probably a couple of years, mm-hmm. my chest started to hurt, like, really bad. Like, I was like, this isn't, this isn't right. I can't keep on doing this. Right. But that's one of those things that it's really easy to put down for maybe a week or two. But as soon as you pick it right back up, like you were saying, it's like, it's almost like a part of you, like, in yeah. your hands at all times. That's exactly what it was like. Because you can hit it anywhere you want to. Yep. You can blow it into your shirt or, you know, it's just so easy to hide. And that's one thing that I love whenever he gets on on it and for the youth. Because I know that for the youth, it's like the easiest outlet, right? Like a, yeah. a substance that you can put in your pocket. You can hit it in the bathroom at school. Like the amount of, I mean, the kids I grew up with were smoking cigarettes in the bathroom. I could imagine... Yeah how much easier it is to do these things. And I think it's something that it's good for us to like make a point to talk about with the kids. for sure. Yeah. I mean, at the time I didn't think it was that bad. You know what I mean? Um, 
but what it was doing to my health, you know what I mean? And just mm-hmm. um, also that it's like I felt like I needed it as an outlet, you mm-hmm. know, if I was frustrated or I was happy or whatever, you know what I mean? Like that's what I did. I would just either smoke a cigarette or hit my vape or whatever. And um, no matter what substance it is, nothing will replace the Lord. And mm-hmm. um, that's what I needed all along. I just didn't, you know, I needed him. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't realizing that. I, like, had to fall face first again and again and again to realize, mm. like, <clears throat> what I needed. There's There were a lot of things I needed to let go of. His grace is so awesome. Like, not, the yeah. amount of times I, like, just, like you said, fell flat on my face yeah. and... You know, the thing about, like, substances like that, too, is, like, even if you're coming to church, that's what you're thinking about. Yeah. Like, as soon as serve, like as soon as soon worship is over, you sit down, you're ready for the sermon, you're thinking, man, I'm ready for that cigarette. Yeah. Or, man, I'm ready for that drink. And whatever substance it is, it doesn't have to be, you know, nicotine or, or alcohol. It's just, like, that just takes up all of your mental capacity. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? It just ties into that sermon that John was given of of being in peace with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I feel like even in the past couple of weeks, I've been struggling with that in my own heart. Yeah, And it was just like such a simple realization of like, the peace is always inside of us. We just have to like realign ourselves with God. Right. And that simple truth, I think is just sometimes overlooked by Christians. It's like, it's just as, Im- as simple as like me just getting back in line with the Lord. Yeah, It could be sure. a small thing. It doesn't yeah. have to be like, hundred big things, right? It can yeah. be a couple of little things that I know I'm not giving the Lord this, or I'm not giving the Lord that. For sure. And just that, that sermon just, and it's interesting, the things that stood out to me and the things that stood out to Jody, you know, it was like, we were like getting two different sermons out of it. You know yeah. what I mean? What do you think about the past few weeks and the things we've seen happening? Oh my gosh. Has not that been amazing? It's so hard for me to leave. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, yeah, especially, I mean, it's all good, you know, but in worship, just the the presence of the Lord has been so strong that it's like, mm-hmm. I don't want to leave here, you know. It's yeah. just been really good, yeah. It has been really, really good. The growth has been just so awesome, and, it, I, you know, just everything that we've been seeing and everything that God's been doing in my life. Mm-hmm. What have some what were some big changes you've seen in your life over the past few only what, three years? What are some big changes you've yeah. seen? Oh my gosh! Um, like things that the Lord has done, like mm-hmm. change. Oh, um, well, like I said, like the smoking, the drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, I had intense, crazy anxiety. Mm. Um, like body shuts down, can't go in a store, don't go anywhere type of anxiety. And um, that's something that I noticed, you know, I actually quit nursing school because it was so bad. And here you are telling your testimony. Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. What did Um, you, did you see like where that stemmed from? Like, where did that come from? Do you know? The anxiety itself, Mm -hmm. the from hell <laughs> for sure <laughs> was there um, like any like life experiences that brought that upon you or do you think it was just like something you just battled with I don't know for sure like um 
I know for a long time I dealt with like um, um, being afraid of being left, mm. you know, um, and then I would be the one to leave because I didn't want to be left. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, even part of Sean and mine's story that I haven't shared yet. Go for it. Um, was that we were actually married back in 2010. Okay. And then we got to, we separated. Mm-hmm. Um, I found out I was pregnant with Soraya during that time. And then um, we were divorced a couple years later. You just can't get divorced while you're pregnant in Kentucky. But um, mm. we divorced and then later remarried, um, which... I have to share something eventually. I don't know if now's a good time, but just w- however you feel, yeah, for sure. Okay. Well, um, you know, I told you we'd gone to church with our girls a few times, mm-hmm. but um, when Sean and I were separated, um, I was pregnant with Soraya, and you know, Bella was three. Mm-hmm. I th- yeah, she she was three, um, and I'd started coming to Faith Center. It was down at the Carson Center at the time, mm-hmm. and. Uh, then they moved to the other building. Carson Center? Well, from the Carson Center back to... Oh, back to the warehouse? The warehouse, yeah. And um, <coughs> I had this vision, which Sean had made it very, very clear at that time, like, this is over. Mm. And um, I knew that I had made a mistake by leaving to begin with, but, um, you know, he was doing his thing. And the time lived in Springfield, Illinois, so... Um, I just kind of, you know, I said okay to that, but was praying against it, you know. Mm. And um, I had a vision. Um, I was on the front row um, over at the warehouse. um, And I had a vision of me, Sean, Bella, and our our other daughter standing all together in the front row. Mm. And um, I knew then that that was the Lord telling me that, you know, we would be together as a family, but things weren't looking that way. Like he was saying, absolutely not. Meaning Sean was saying, not going to happen, but mm-hmm. I knew I'd had this vision from the Lord and I believed it. Well, after so long, I, I quit believing, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, so we ended up divorced or whatnot. But, um, when we got back together and we finally came back to church, we went to Back in 2020, mm-hmm. um, we went to one church on a Sunday, and I just didn't feel like that's where we needed to be, but knew we needed to be in church. And we came in here to Faith Center, and uh, that's when my anxiety was awful. So mm. I was like, I know some of these people. Some of these people know me. <laughs> like, are they going to be like, what have you been doing, you know, or where have you been or what, you know, um, mm. And not, no one said anything, but I just was like in my frozen state. And I told my girls, I was like, go find a seat. We're following you. Mm. And I tell you what, they went to the front row. (laughs) And when I closed my eyes, that vision came right back to me. And I knew that I was exactly where I needed to be, that we were where we needed to be. Mm. And we've been here ever since. Praise the Lord. God's just so good. He is so good. I remember those feelings the first couple times I came back because 
this is like my home church for basically ever. Yeah. I mean, we we went to a couple, we went to one church whenever I was a really little kid, but basically since I was around eight, we mm-hmm. came here, and so somewhere around eighteen to twenty, I stopped coming. You know, yeah. I found other things to do, and I remember I remember those first couple months of coming back, even thinking about, oh man, what are these people going to think? Like some of these people know me, yeah. and it couldn't be farther from the truth because right. we have such an amazing church family so, so full good. of like love and stuff mm-hmm. and um, it's so funny man if it was me and my kids are trying to push me on the front row I'd have to be like not <laughs> not the first time <laughs> give me <Yeah>. a- <laughs> that's where they went and I was I was just wanted to get in my seat I wanted to sit down yeah um and I didn't care where it was but that's just I knew then like yeah okay. so you, you separated but you didn't quite divorce and then that led to the officially getting divorced yeah, so um, I left in, like, November of 2011. While you were pregnant? Well, I didn't know I was pregnant at the oh, time. Okay. I found out I was pregnant in December. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, and here in Kentucky, they won't allow you to divorce if you're pregnant. So, I didn't know that. Yeah, so uh, we had Sarai in August of 2012, and then I think I That whole time you were separated? Se- yeah, so Sean lived in Springfield, Illinois at the mm-hmm. time, and... Me and the girls were here, um, and then I guess it was about March of 2013 that I was finally like, okay, like I, I know what you show me, but I know what he's saying, mm-hmm. you know, and what he's doing, and I'm just done. So um, I filed for divorce. It took several months, but um, yeah. So you were having kind of like the Lord was pressing on your heart to make it work, but you were like seeing, you know, the real world implications of right. what Sean was getting into and stuff. And you're like, I, no, nah, I can't do this. Right. And you finally had given up. What brought you guys back together again? Like what was like, how did you guys co- like start communicating again, basically? Well, in all honesty, we never quit communicating because of the girls Mm. um and one thing without a doubt and without fail that this man even not walking in relationship with the lord and i mean i I was doing my best as a single mom and like coming to church and you know i mean things like that but um was that he always showed up he Mm. always came um on Fridays, he would get off work and drive four hours to come to Paducah, stay until Sunday afternoon with the girls, and then drive four hours back. Mm. And um, I always really, um, I don't know the right word, like, loved that he did that, you know, that no matter what was going on between him and I, he was always a dad to our girls. And, mm-hmm. um I didn't have that growing up. You know, dad left and he didn't come back. Mm. Um, not for a long time anyway. And um, I just thought it was really important, you know, for our girls to always have him. Yeah. Um, this is the second time I've had someone on the podcast whose relationship's been restored. So mm-hmm. I find that, like, really, really awesome and inspiring because sometimes you have uh, stories where the Lord doesn't restore it. Right. And uh, for the Lord to be in your heart and, you know, telling you, giving you a vision like that. Mm-hmm. So surreal for it to come full circle yeah. to come here and have that moment. That's truly awesome. You know, um, it's so tough 
when you're in a relationship and you're not like walking with the Lord at the same time, like when you're yeah. married and you're not with the Lord, like it's just dang near impossible. Yeah. You know, I mean, a lot of Christians get divorced, you know, like right. even people who say they believe still, it still happens. You know right. what I mean? So for you guys to figure it out along the way and for the Lord to restore your marriage, that's truly awesome for real. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, when we got remarried, we were not walking with the Lord then either, you know. Right. Um, but definitely, I mean, it never would have happened without mm. the Lord. And definitely wouldn't, you know, we were we were headed towards round two of divorce. And um, that's an I'll never, ever forget. Um, that was the the only time that was one time and only time that I've ever audibly heard the voice of God. Mm. And he told me not to leave Sean. And, um, I remember I was on my knees crying out to the Lord and we lived somewhere different at the time, but there was like a back room in our house that really I only ever went in. And, uh, I wanted to leave so badly. I'd slowly been putting stuff in a bag to leave again. Mm. Um, and, yeah, the Lord told me, don't leave him. Mm. And uh, that's when I said, I won't, but you have to help me because I know too much. I've seen too much. I've been mm. hurt too much. And it was like a fresh start from then. You know, like the Lord really, really helped me to see Sean differently than I had been seeing him. Mm. Um, like gave me a fresh love for him. Um, and then, I mean, after Sean saying that and things, the Lord really started to work on him and it was really good. That's awesome. I got to get him on here ASAP so I can get the full circle (laughs) on that one because that's, there's so many things there where it's like, even though you guys got back together, that still wasn't like the, like fix all. Right. You know what I mean? Like there was still like, obviously something some kind of tension yeah. causing you to get ready to pack up a second time. Yeah. And it shows you like, no matter what we do in our own strength, like without the Lord, it, it's not going to produce anything. Right. Absolutely. And like for God to protect you and protect your girls from having to go through that twice. Right. You know, and to be able to mold it back together, even if you guys weren't walking with the Lord, then to, to know that it all worked out is truly, truly awesome, for sure. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, I wasn't walking with him, but he never left me. Yeah. And now, looking back, like, I can see all the times that he he was moving. Mm. But I wasn't ready to see it then, you know. We can just be so, like, ignorantly blissed to, like, what the Lord's constantly doing in our lives. Yeah. And, like, for me, like, I was just taking it for granted. Yeah. Like, I truly have no doubt in my mind and in my heart that, like, my parents' prayers were keeping me alive, basically. Yeah. And just, like, the prayers that were just poured over my life to keep me protected, to get me to this point to where I can finally see some growth in my life mm-hmm. with my wife and my kids. It's like, there were so many times where I was just taking life for granted, just doing, convincing myself that what I wanted to do was the best thing for me. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. it's like, it's just so much, you can't be any farther away from the truth. It just ties me back into John's sermon with that, getting back in line with him. Because it was like, 
I don't know. Like I said, like just in the past week or two, I've just noticed like I've been doing like my own thing a little bit and mm-hmm. just like feeling like I'm not in step with the Lord. Yeah. And it's like, even while I'm doing this thing, it's like, I want to be nothing but a good example for people, but you, we all fall short. For sure. And so it's like so important to me to set a good example, but also be honest and say like, you know, sometimes it's okay to admit like I need to get back in line. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that was something that I needed to hear. Like, John, that sermon was for me. You know, that's, yeah. and I know that sermon was for uh, a bunch of people, for sure. Yeah. Same. Uh, you know, when he was talking about um, sin and how he sees it as, like, following the Lord and doing it his way or turning off and going, mm. you know, and sinning and going a different direction, like, I can't tell you how many times I've had that visual in my own head, like, no, I'm going to do this today. Like, right now, I'm going to do, I'm going to, you know. Like, you're, like, literally at a crossroads? Yes. And you're, like, if I got. And it has helped me tremendously. It's just, what, Tuesday. It's helped Mm. me so much since Sunday. Yeah. You know, it was, I needed that. Just the the part where the verse, I can't remember if it was in Ephesians or Philippians, where it talks about the empty deceit of the world and the Mm -hmm. philosophy of the world and, like, the thing that I've been doing is just listening to secular podcasts again, listening mm-hmm. to the way of the world again, and it, it can influence the way you think about yeah. things, political, non-political, whatever it is. Like you can just see yourself getting filled, and it's all empty. That empty deceit just really just rung true with me because it's all, all it is is just filling yourself with emptiness. And mm-hmm. like when you're believing the ways of the world, it changes the way you view people. So it makes it harder to love people. It right. changes the way you see the Lord, which makes it harder to love the Lord. So all you're doing is just getting yourself farther away from the Lord, and it can make you get farther away from people in general. And yeah. just it can affect so many different aspects of your relationship with the Lord by letting those philosophies, those those vain words, those hollow, empty words fill you up. Yeah. Because as soon as you try to stand on those, you're going to crash and burn. For sure. Crash and burn. So, <clears throat> what are some goals for for you? Would you have any uh, insight from the Lord on what He's got for you in the future? Um, my health, <laughs> because you know, like what we're talking about is you know following the Lord or going off my own way. Well, I'd felt um, you know for a while, really that. Um, I needed to be exercising and mm-hmm. that my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit and I was not taking care of it. And uh, so I started eating healthy and um, working out, you know, three to five days a week, mm-hmm. you know, and um, then and not eating sugar, you know, because I've had a problem with sugar my whole life. Like that's tough. <laughs> yeah, I mean, delivered from alcohol and nicotine and lots of other things, but sugar has always really, you know, had a hold on me. And back in May, I started eating sugar again, mm. and have lost like thirty something pounds and have gained every bit of it back plus some because mm. I've my disobedience and. Um, Anyway, so that's what I'm I'm working towards right now is um, being obedient again mm-hmm. and not stepping away from that. Um, 
and then just hearing him and obeying because there's been so many times that I felt the Lord you know speak to me and I didn't I didn't obey and um it was also you know told to me by someone that I love and care for and trust that uh delayed obedience is disobedience Mm -hmm. and so my delay in anything is still you know disobedience so and whenever I think about obedience, I think back to Samuel, whenever he was talking to King Saul, and he said, disobedience is like witchcraft. And he mm-hmm. said a couple other lines in there, um, in first or second Samuel, that just rung home with me, like comparing disobedience to uh, all these different, like obedience, he says obedience is more important than sacrifice. Yeah. And at the time, sacrifice was like what kept you like under the, you know, the protection of the Lord. Like that was like one of the most important things. Right. But true, true obedience to him, listening to his spirit and then like obeying. Right. There's so many times where it's like, if you just don't obey for a day, then you're not going to obey for a week. You know what I mean? It's like, you just start like numbing yourself and then you're like, Oh, I don't hear God. Yeah. While you'd been putting him on silent for day after day. And I, and when I catch myself doing that, it's like, okay, time to, put up or shut up, you know, time to like get myself back in line. Right. And, uh, I know with the working out, Jet's been on Jody's heart. She's been harping on herself so hard about getting back in the gym and, you know, three to five days is a big, you know, a big jump into it and stuff. And we had a podcast where we talked about just trying to get in better health and how important it is because it's kind of like a, a two way fight because you're fighting your flesh Yeah. because you don't want to do it. And then while you're doing it, you can also worship the Lord or give him yeah. some time. And it's like, not only am I going to defeat my flesh in one way, I'm going to defeat Satan in another way right. and really do a one-two punch. That's good. So I, I love I love that um, health is so important. Obedience is so, so important. Yeah. What is God leading you to obey him in? You know, it's so important. It is. Yeah. You got anything else for the people? I don't know. You have any more questions? Um, I I I'm running out of questions. I'm okay. Um, trying to think of. What, I always try to end with one last good question. That's like, I was thinking about that. You know, you're talking about um, that like f- almost like kind of like a flight or flight. You know, fight or flight response mm-hmm. that you have where you yeah. you just kind of want to run away. Mm-hmm. For people out there who are struggling with that fear of just wanting to just run away, what's some good advice we can give to them? Mm. Don't run away. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you heard really, God audibly. I did, yes. Um, there was no way it wasn't him because yeah. I was the only one in the room. Um, Sean was in the living room, and honestly... If it were him speaking, he probably would have told me to go ahead and go um, at this point. So, um, yeah, yeah. Um, as far as the, like, the anxiety and the fight or flight, the abandonment issues that I had, um, like, the Lord will never leave you or forsake you. And I would encourage you to not do that to him either. Um And just if you're struggling with that, I would get in the Word. Um, There are so many 
scriptures on anxiety and mm. fear. Um, because really for me, that's what it was. I had a, a irrational fear that gave me anxiety, um, depression. I didn't mm. even, I didn't even talk about that, but, um, please do, you know, well, um, there, there was a lot of times like throughout my life, even like in high school that I just didn't get out of the bed, you know, mm. um, does this all stem from maybe your dad not being there or? Well, um. Because I know so you said you call your stepdad dad. Yeah. So. And, and my dad is in my life. Um, he has been for a while now. Um, but our relationship just wasn't what it needed to be. Um, so I didn't, I didn't meet my dad until I was six years old. Hmm. Um, and then it was just maybe every other weekend. You know, yeah. he worked, he owned a store here in Paducah and, um, he worked a lot and, um, then he eventually moved to Mount Vernon, Indiana. And, um, and as I got older, you know, I just recently learned that the reason they quit asking me to come is because I always said, no, I wanted to hang out with my friends, mm. you know, and, and in my mind, I was like, well, he doesn't want me because he's not asking me to come anymore. But in his mind, I'm like turning him down every, you know, every time he asks and right. that was hurting him. But these are things that you don't know unless you have a conversation with someone, right? you know, and, um, so there were several things like in my childhood and youth that, you know, probably could have led up to. I always try to ask these big questions, but yeah. sometimes people just go through sad times. Yeah, sure. You know, and like it could be like you were just saying, like an accumulation, right, of life in general. Yeah. I don't think it's like far fetched for a teenager to not want to get out of bed. Right, right. And that that depression when it envelops you, mm -hmm. man, it's heavy. Oh yeah. And it's sure. hard to do. It's hard to think rationally. It's yeah. hard to think about yourself, in any, and. You almost overthink about yourself in a weird way where you're thinking just constantly bad things about yourself. Right. Um, and I just, at the time, I didn't know what to combat that with. You know what I mean? I didn't right. know to to quote scripture that I knew or even just get in the word and read. Mm. Um, like, um, where is it? Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. I can't tell you mm. exactly where it is, but I know that it's there, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, um, and just things like that. Um, I haven't had like a, I don't know the right wording, but like the episode of like literally locked up and can't move um, since before we started coming to church here. Uh, back in 2020 and um yeah i love that verse i don't know the exact place either but right before that he's saying like humble yourselves under the mighty hand of god casting your cares or whatever uh, there's a, you know a bunch of different versions yeah. of it and uh casting all of your anxieties and worries and cares on him because he does care for us mm -hmm. and like that that realization alone is like 
something that right like we need to take hold of that more and more and more because as soon as you let that go for a second the enemy slips in and he's attacking you he's looking at for every opportunity you know that will give him he he'll take his Mm -hmm. um, the more you're in bed and depressed the less you're going to be able to fight the good fight you yeah. know what I mean? The less you're going to be able to be a, wit- a witness to your kids or, yeah. you know, a witness to the other kids, you know? And it's like, like you were saying, like, they're, what are you, you don't know how to combat that sometimes whenever you're a teenager. Like, yeah. you, what are you supposed to go tell you about your friends? Like, hey, I'm sad. <laughs> like, they're right. going to either make fun of you or tease you or something. Yeah. It's hard. But here's the other thing about being a teenager in all honesty, like, as I've gotten older, it all seems like nonsense what other people said or thought or, mm. you know, like, um, so I told you earlier that I went to Heath, you mm-hmm. know, and Sean went to Lone Oak, but I ended up transferring to Lone Oak uh, halfway through my sophomore year. Um, but up until that point in high school, I, s- I sat by myself. I ate by mm. myself. Uh, a lot of time in the bathroom, like at lunch. Mm. Just didn't have any friends because the friends that I did have had gotten in trouble. And my mom was like, you can't hang out with them anymore. Right. But they, they were the only friends I had, you know. So then they're making fun of me because Because your mom said you couldn't hang out with them. Right, right, right. Yes, man. Like, so stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Now I'm like... It doesn't matter what they think or say or, mm-hmm. you know, but in that moment, it means everything to you. One of Jody's saddest moments in school was whenever all of her best friends moved away. Mm. And it can be like such a short season, like a year or two of your life. Yeah. But in those seasons, like that's your yeah. world is falling apart. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, you're right. We put so much weight on those years like. Another thing I, I think that teenagers don't realize is, like, what addictions they're getting themselves into. Right. They're just convincing themselves, like, one day they're going to be able to quit, or they just don't even think about that at all. They just think, yeah. I'm here to have a good time, That's you know, right. YOLO, or whatever. Yeah. And, like, for me, it's like, if I could get anything across to any of them, it's like, coming from someone who got addicted mm-hmm. and, like, lived that life, is like, you will be addicted and there is no just magic end all be all like you have to decide. Yeah. The sooner you do that, the better off you'll be because if you can decide now, it'll just make you stronger going forward. For sure. You know, but if you don't now, you're just going to get weaker going forward and it's going to take the Lord and a lot of work to yeah. get to where you can beat this thing. Absolutely. I think that's one I like uh Garrett was talking about like a thought or an action turning into like a Basically, like an addiction, like a a one action can turn into like a habitual thing. Yeah. And just in my mind, I was playing it back like whenever I was 15 and I would think about doing this stuff maybe a year or two before I even did it. And Mm -hmm. I was so seeded in my heart for nicotine or for cursing or for marijuana probably a year or two before I even did it. So by the time I did the action, I had already like had a seed yeah. it was ready to sprout it was ready to grow right and so those are a couple little things that stick out to me for the youth and it's like they're just getting so i mean i was incredibly blessed whenever i was a younger uh teenager coming here there was definitely spirit-filled teachers 
and I still missed a lot, you know, but it it just seems like these kids are getting some of the best of the best Mm -hmm. I've ever heard come out of the youth, you know, out of the, like the pastoral gifting of Garrett and everyone else who's involved growing into these kids. It's like, this is some good stuff. Yes. And I just hope that they're grasping onto it for sure. Right. And if anything else that, you know, it was recently said that they feel heard and Mm. they feel seen like that is so important, Mm -hmm. you know, because then when you feel heard and seen, you're not scared to go talk to somebody, you know, like, right. I feel like that. Like, um, if I'm having an issue with something, I know who I can go to and talk to about it, you know, and, um, I really hope that these kids can learn from our experiences, you know, Mm -hmm. and like, don't do what we did. You know, it only takes once. Like you said, you know, you don't, Mm -hmm. whether you think you'll be addicted or you think you won't, it just starts with the once, you know, right? and the thought, you know, turns into an action. The action leads to more and more actions. And yes, and that depression, like, you know, you can kind of walk it out with them and say, hey, listen, I've been sure. there where I don't want to get out of bed. Yeah. I've been a functional depression. You know, it's like a functional alcoholic. I've been a functional person who's dealt with depression. Yeah. You walk around like that, it's an all-day affair. It's not like yeah. it just randomly disappears. Like, that's something that I remember whenever I got sober, it was a couple weeks. It took me about two weeks before I felt like the weight just, like, yeah. dissipate. And I was like, oh, wow, I was depressed. Yeah. Like, I didn't even realize how deep into the pit I was. Yeah. And that's just something that the enemy will just keep you trapped in if you let him. For sure. Yeah. All those pits. (laughs) Man, Mm. you're just falling, and there's no sight. You don't see anything. Yeah. And, like, the thing about depression is, you know, the Bible talks about how the world will not want to see the light. Yeah. Well, sometimes whenever you're sad, you don't want to see the light of Jesus. That's right. You're afraid of it. You want to hide from it because you either feel unworthy That's or you're just, you know, whatever the whatever the excuse is. But yeah. you, you, there is something tied to that darkness that makes it to where you don't want to see the light because yeah. it's going to be bright and it's going to shine on all of your baggage. That's it. You and know, it's going to show you you have to clean up. Yep. I think that there's so often times that, um, like, we feel shame or... Um, judgment or but it took me so long to realize that that's not from from our father it's Mm. from the enemy you know he he doesn't put shame on me Mm. um and you know like that used to be such a a common said thing when I was younger I don't know how it was shame on you shame (laughs) on you shame you know I mean and you're like oh shame is heavy you Mm know and um yeah, I'm, that's just, if you feel that way, it's not from the Lord. And just that he, his purpose for the light is to get us clean, you know, mm. and not leave us filthy because the filth makes us feel, ugh, you mm. know. My my girls have been saying ick a lot. You <laughs> give me the ick. And I don't know if I quite understand what they mean by that, but I know how I take it, and it's that. you like, I feel yeah, no, that's, you got it. And, <laughs> that, and he wants to clean us up, and um, I'm so thankful for that. I like that little analogy. That's a good one. The ick. 
the ick. How to get rid of the ick. Krista, mm. thank you so much yeah, for absolutely. coming on here. Is there any last words for the people before we hop off here? I don't think so. Thank you for your support. And uh, sure. I don't even know how you heard about the podcast. You just came up to me one time at church and said, hey, I love the podcast. And yeah. so it's people like you that uh, motivate me to do this. So th- hey, guys. Thank you for checking out the WBF podcast. If you like what you listen to, I just ask that you hit the follow button at the top of the page, rate the show. You can get on Facebook and check out the WBF podcast page. And hopefully we're launching WBFpodcast.com. Thank you guys for all your support. Um, Thank you. It's just such a blessing to get to bring these testimonies to you guys. And I will talk to you guys next week.